What is going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode 102.0. And uh, today I have with me Matt. Hello, friends. And uh, yeah, we are playing through uh, the game Lost Odyssey. Yeah, we found it. Yeah, we found it. It's uh, it's now found Odyssey. Um, yeah, we're lame, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it was actually suggested to us by a listener, uh, particularly Chad, um, who when we were doing our game of the year or not game of the year, our one hundredth game deliberations, um, he uh, challenged us with a better choice than. The Ocarina of Time. Now, unfortunately... Put forward quite a case. He did put forward quite a case. Um, unfortunately, uh, we had already chosen Ocarina of Time. And I still think we, we did we did the right thing. We played a game that we both really wanted to play. Matt, I know it was kind of special for you because you'd never played yep. a Zelda game before. So I, I feel like we did a good job there. But... It's one, one gap in my life filled. As, as I said... Um, when we read off that email, we would definitely get to Lost Odyssey this year. Well, we're getting to it right now. So even though this is kind of the year of the Yakuza game, um, we are uh, taking a break in between Yakuza games to do another game. That's kind of like a palate cleanser. Well, what better way than a 50-hour RPG? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Lost Odyssey. Um uh, developed by Mistwalker Studios uh, for exclusively the Xbox 360. Uh, in fact, I don't believe you can play this game anywhere else. Just on Xbox. Yeah, uh, I think that's right. Uh, released uh, in da, 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 February 12th of 2008 in North America. Uh, it's got some uh, some big... Some big uh, names in it. So, Miss Walker were people from the original Final Fantasy team, uh, particularly uh, Sakaguchi, mm -hmm. as well as the composer Nobu Imatsu, who is probably my favorite video game composer of all time. And That's the name that sticks out for sure. His music shines in this game. Uh, if you remember correctly, Miss Walker also did a previous. Um, Phoenix Down game, Blue Dragon, and uh, and um, if I had if I had one desire going into this game, it's that I would like it more than Blue Dragon. I think you will. Um, I, I didn't mind Blue Dragon. I hated the characters in Blue Dragon. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like the characters or the art style. Yeah, particularly Maru Maru, I believe was his name. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I hated him. I really hated him. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, but yeah, Lost Odyssey, um, history with the, uh, with the game itself. Um, I did not play this game in 2008 when it released. I played it, uh, I was living with my roommates at the time, so that would have been between 2008 and 2011. Um, I want to say it was probably about 09, maybe late 09. I played this game. I started it, got through disc one, and I believe partially through disc two. Now, I do remember the part where I, I got stuck in this game. 
And mm. and and then I eventually just said, ah, there's other games to play, and I abandoned it. Uh, the part that I got stuck at, if I remember correctly, we were running around a haunted house. I think was what it was, like a haunted mansion or something like that. Um, Interesting. But I can't remember exactly where that was. Um and to be honest with you, I don't remember much of this game other than it features immortals and uh, a friend of mine told me I really need to finish this game because he says that uh, Gongora, who is turning out to be the villain of this game, um, is one of his favorite villains of all time uh, in video games. Because of his motivations. So that's always been intriguing to me. Um, got got a decent amount into it, uh, but uh, never actually finished it. Uh, Matt, what about you? Well, as with uh, many of the games lately, I feel like I don't have much history. I'm trying to think. I don't even think I had a 360 at this point. Maybe I did. Uh but I, I definitely wasn't playing it. I mean, this was, oh man, this was when I was in grad school, halfway through grad school. So I'm pretty sure I did not have a 360. I only had the PS3. Looking at the games that came out around this time, I think I was pretty heavy on the PS3 and uh, specifically the PSP. So... It looks like Crisis Core on the PSP came out right around the same time, and I was pretty heavy into that. And um, a few other games, Metal Gear 4 came out that year. Uh, so, there, I mean, there, I was pretty heavy on the PSP and the PS3, I think, at that time. So, I, you know, it, it was a game that I certainly wished I could play at the time, just knowing that there were some of these big RPGs that weren't available on, on the PS3. But in, <laughs> I guess as like a self-defense mechanism, I couldn't play it, so I just kind of ignored it. Right. I mean, I, I knew it was coming out, but I was like, like I, have, I have zero way to play this, so didn't really think too much about it, really. So I, I knew I always wanted to play it since it came out. Uh, you know, it, I the, the cover art, looks cool the you know the the five second snippet of what the game is and who's in it sounds cool so i i i've always been intrigued and heard good things reasonably good things just never had a chance to explore it right and so i haven't really done anything with it until now well, at least you were familiar with it oh uh, valkyria chronicles came out a month and a half later that was a great game that was a really good game i love that game um, uh, I, I did a podcast, uh, featuring that game. It was, it was a game club podcast with, um, another guy. Oh man. Quality beats goes by on Twitter. Um, I don't ever, I don't ever know what happened to that podcast. Hmm. I think we only did Valkyria Chronicles and that was it. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a great game. Um, yeah, 
that Haze came out just after that. Oh boy, we've also done. Yeah, that's a heck of a 2008. Was it? Was it? No, it was 2007. Was like the Renaissance. It was uh, uh, 2008 was good too, but 2007 was like the the creme de la creme. Yep. For that generation, I feel like Burnout Paradise came out the month before this game, so I, I definitely was busy with some of these other games. Yeah, Burnout Paradise. Oh man, that was that was a good one too. Put a lot of time into that. I did too. I platinum that game. Oh, nice. But uh, yeah, so um, Lost Odyssey. Um, I guess we should just jump into... Well, all right. Before we start jumping into the story, let's explain a few things first. So Lost Odyssey is a turn-based role-playing game very reminiscent of uh, certain Final Fantasy games. Um, it is... Uh, it's not an active time battle. It is a sequence battle system um, where, uh, I guess, depending on initiative, even though I don't see that stat anywhere... Unless it's like yeah. speed, I don't know how they fold that into right spells and attacks. All have their own kind of charge times, basically. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it's it's basically you choose what your all your characters are going to do, and then the enemies choose what they're going to do, and then you have a lineup. This guy's going to hurt hit first. This and this guy, then this guy, then this guy. Um, uh, the 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 big twists here are that um, magic spells take a little bit longer to cast, and depending on the yeah, sp- tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, depending on the on the spell itself, it could take multiple turns to do. Um, on top of that, there is also a active system uh, in this game, um, much like the Paper Mario or the. Um, the uh, Mario and Luigi series that we've played previously. Um, and it's called the ring system. Uh, a ring system is you can equip a character with a specific ring that does a, a, a thing, an, an ability of some sort, whether it be better attack damage or now this attack has fire damage to it or something like that. Um, and uh, if a uh, character has a ring equipped... Um, when they attack, and I should say when they actually physically attack, not use magic, um, when they attack, um, they, a, a ring shows up on the screen and another ring, like, oh, I wouldn't say slowly, quickly goes into the other ring. And you're trying to time, uh, with the right trigger, holding down the right trigger and then releasing the right trigger whenever the two rings basically overlap each other. And uh, depending on how accurate you are with that, uh, it may do more damage. It may... So I'm still confused on this system. Obviously, it does more damage. But, like, say I have the ring that adds fire to my attacks. I have noticed that even if I didn't do well on the ring thing, it still added fire damage. Even if you specifically did poorly or you got good but not perfect? Maybe good but not perfect, so maybe that's the case. Yeah. If I did bad, yeah. it may not happen at all. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's how it works. Yeah. Um, so there's there's that that you have to keep in mind, and there's an entire crafting system wrapped around that. So you can craft better rings. Sometimes it requires a basic ring in the in the formula. It, 
uh, using uh, like crafting materials that you find out in the world, uh, both through winning battles as well as just finding them in areas. Um, yeah, which I like because it seems like some games I feel like they they wall some of that stuff off where like you need let's say a recipe or a you know a set of instructions then you need the components then you need to be a certain skill level this I mean they're just kind of popping up in your menu as as you go as you I don't know exactly know if it's a level that triggers it or if it's picking up any component almost automatically triggers the ability to see the ring that you can make and then you just need to acquire the right number of components i'm guessing it's once you get all the components necessary for it not necessarily the right amount of components but if you have three of if it requires three components if you have all three of those it will show up saying oh you need like five of these in order to craft this kind of thing yeah but i've definitely had some rings show up even when i have no components for it or only only one out of three components for it Hmm. interesting so i i kind of like that even if I can't make it yet, I, I feel like I'm gaining access to a bigger and bigger library of potential in the future. Yeah. Uh, there is another thing, another mechanic in this game, um, which is the the skill learning. So you have two different types of characters in this game. You have mortals and you have immortals. Um, immortals do not learn skills or abilities on their own. Uh, They have to basically skill link with a mortal person and learn it that way. Or you can have them equip a certain type of accessory and they will learn that skill. They do this by every time you complete a battle, you get SP, which is skill points that then go to whatever is equipped or whatever you're trying to learn at that moment. So to begin with, uh, Kaim, who is an immortal, uh, will not have any type of magic abilities. Um, but if he skill links with Jensen, who is a mage who knows magic to begin with, um, he can learn whatever you choose. So like, Level one black magic, or level one white magic, or learn how to steal. So there's there's skills and there's magic in this game. Um, I I don't mind that, it, it, especially when it comes to like passive stuff. So if you have like um, uh, I found later on, which was the uh, the yellow band, yeah, which was an accessory that I could equip onto one of my immortals, uh, that that uh, they were essentially learning uh, prevent paralysis, which is very useful. And I equipped it to Kime and did some battles, got enough SP to learn that ability, then removed it, then equipped it to Kime, like the skill itself. So now he has prevent paralysis no matter what. And then I gave and you can kind of share share that one item around exactly, and that's basically what I did. Um, uh, but here's the kicker: there's only a limited amount of skill slots. Now we're playing D and D here, um, <laughs> so there's only a, a certain amount of skill slots for each character, uh, and um, I don't think immortals 
don't have skill slots at all, right? Or do they? I thought they did. So I, I so I gave Jensen the the yellow band, but he's not learning that skill. You just have to leave it equipped on him. Yeah. So I maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I, I need to do a little bit more investigating. But that's pretty much all the mechanics. I think. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of like the the skills and the learning and the fact that you need to link them up with people or items. It it doesn't feel necessary to me, really. It kind of feels a bit like, let's say, I'm farming and I'm tending my flowers and I'm planting seeds and waiting for them to grow. It it seems a little bit like busy work, but I do like that it's. You know, that yellow band is a bit of a limited resource, and the fact that you can kind of multiply its value by learning its skill, it I, – I went into it. I, I definitely felt like it was busy work, but I also still felt fairly satisfied when I was – when I was popping new, new abilities and learning them and assigning them. I felt like I had a lot to micromanage, but that it was – it was progress, right? And I, I felt like I was – making my characters better and, and actively contributing to their growth, which, you know, which felt reasonably satisfying. Sure. So that I feel like the, the, the skill learning is part of the grind, you know, yep. like how you grind for levels, which that's another mechanic in this game. I forgot to mention is that each area has a designated recommended level. So, if you go into a new area and you're level 12 and you defeat some enemies and your experience goes up, you level up to level 13. Eventually, if you hit level 14, that's the recommended level. So if you hit level 14 and continue to grind, the game basically only gives you like 2 XP for a battle. Basically, the game is telling you, move on, you are at the right level to to do everything you need to do in this area I'm okay with that to a point yeah I'm a little torn I like that it's gently pushing me forward but as I've said with most of these RPGs I if I go into a play session knowing that I want to grind because hey I, I, I tried this boss and they just kicked my butt I what I want to do next is just grind for a session or two, and then I'll go back and try again. To not have that ability feels a little bit like a handicap. It can be, but there's also another aspect of you, Matt, because I've known you for years, and you <laughs> you say this a lot. You like getting beat by a boss a couple of times. Yep. For me, that's the that's the perfect difficulty level. Beat me once. Let me figure once or twice. Let me figure out what I need to do better. And do it better, and then I then I'll feel like I've actually learned something and improved. And that's what this game does. Yep. It makes sure you're not overpowered. It's giving you a challenge. Yep. And and I think I messaged that in the in the email I sent you. I've died one time at every single boss we fought. Yeah. And I've not died a second time at any of them. So, to me, that that's so far kind of perfectly calibrated for my tastes. 
So there you go. I, yeah, I don't like the fact that I can't just get overpowered with with some resilience. But yep. you know, I I'm not that determined, I guess. <laughs> but uh so let's go ahead and get into the uh to the the story and the game itself after talking about all the mechanics of it. Um I feel like it's simple mechanics, but they get complex later on. Yeah. And that's... I, I feel like they're mechanics that must be managed. Like, if you forget to start pulling skills from an ability, from a character, I feel like at some point you're going to be screwed, and then it's going to take you a long time. Like, that's where you might have to grind. Yeah. So if, again, if you, if you can't grind for XP, then you have to grind for the SP. For these skills, yeah. I just, I, I really hope it's not one of those... Because, I, like I said, I've never beaten this game. I haven't gotten overly far into it but um i really hope that we're never put in a situation where i i am and i think that's what happened in my last time i tried this game was that i had to i obviously don't have the right setup for what the game needs me to have yeah and if you haven't done things right i feel like you 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 can find that mismatch and just be hugely disadvantaged. Right. And you can't compensate just by grinding. Right. So, I guess we start with the game's opening, which yeah, is... fairly bold. Yeah. Which is uh, crazy. I mean, it starts off with a giant battle. Um, Lord of the Rings-esque. Multiple forces which, going at each it, other. If I could graph my excitement while playing this game, this was about the low point. I'm like, oh, it's it's a battle. I don't know what's happening. I don't know who these people are. I don't know which side to root for. I don't. I don't know the the mechanics. There's no build up. I just I'm just I'm already fighting. This is like my Mass Effect Andromeda. I don't want to be shooting aliens until I know why I'm shooting them. Here I'm like, why am I slaying these people? I don't want to do this until I know why. Uh, they do roll it back, but my first impression was like an eye roll essentially. <laughs> so essentially what this was, uh, this entire first little battle cutscene thing was to establish something really bad happened. So during this battle, we have our main protagonist, which is Kaim, um, who is fighting for the, how do you pronounce it? Yura? Yeah. Uh, Ura? 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 Ura army, um, uh, and it's established a little bit later on. He's basically a mercenary. He doesn't particularly go with whoever. Yeah, um, it's a bit of an interesting silent type to start because you, like I said, you don't know why he's fighting. You really don't know anything about him at all. To be fair, he doesn't either. But, but you know, going into this, you know, it's really just fight and don't don't ask questions. Yeah. But um, it's a massive battle between two guys, two 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 armies. Um, we have kind of like a mini boss fight with this large magical machine. That's which is something that I should mention is that uh, in this game it's very reminiscent of maybe Final Fantasy um, six or Final Fantasy seven where they are basically using both magic and technology combined together. Um, 
And, uh, but anyway, um, so this is basically like the tutorial showing you how to attack, how to defend, how to do this. Um, but, uh, the big thing that happens here is during this battle, um, there is a storm that brews instantly above everybody in this kind of like in this, um, it's almost like a valley where they're fighting. Uh, and the sky opens up and a giant meteor <laughs> falls from the sky. And this meteor is covered with lava. Yeah, it's crazy because the, the clouds part for it. I didn't even know it was a meteor at first. I thought it was somehow they were like underground or this was the ceiling or they had somehow pulled like the moon into them because it's huge. Yeah. It fills up this entire valley. But, uh, and it crashes down on the entire battle, killing everyone. Yeah. And I mean everyone. With the exception of one person. There was one other person that survived. They said that specifically. Yep. Except for Kaim, uh, the main character. Um... So we we don't know just yet. Uh, I mean, according to the game, we don't know just yet. Everybody knows what this game's about, basically. Um, Kaim was not killed because, well, he is an immortal. So um, Kaim awakens. Uh, I don't know why he's just not, you know, buried alive forever under this. Yeah, still can't figure that one out, but. Um, he uh, basically uh, traverses through this 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 valley. Everyone's dead around him. He makes it to a camp, like a little makeshift camp, where some of the Ura uh, forces are. And everybody's kind of shocked. Oh man, you're the only one to make it out of there alive. And uh, we head back to the capital, I guess. Right. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, there was another uh, survivor there, uh, and uh, Kaim notices her, uh, and she notices him, especially, almost as if she recognizes him. Uh, and uh, which we find out a little bit later on, but this is Seth. Um, yeah, and you definitely get a sense, even though neither one of them can remember the past there's definitely some either general connection or they know each other specifically in the past they just can't remember how right so uh seth is uh as we learn is also an immortal uh but we have um we have to meet with the council once we make it back uh to do like a debriefing of what happened uh, i was trying to understand their uh their travel car when they were in it, because when they showed it from the outside, I'm like, is it, it looks a little bit like the TARDIS. It doesn't look that big from the outside. Yeah. The, the inside looks way bigger, but then I guess it just is bigger than I was expecting it to be. Yeah. It's, uh, they got some weird looking vehicles in this game. Yeah. And I, I guess I just chalk it up completely to magic. I'm like, it doesn't even seem like physics would allow this thing not to fall over, but I guess magic trumps physics. There is a lot of magic in this game. Um, but, uh, so, um, we get called to the council. 
Um, and uh, we have to walk through this entire city following these guys. And it's kind of like our little introduction to walking around and stuff like that. But um, also, there are tons of things to collect. Yeah, every single little pot you can look into, posters you can rip off the wall. Yeah, there there are a, there are a lot of things. Piles of rubble. Yep, you can just walk into stuff. You can kick it. Um, but uh, yeah, so making it to the council. Um, the council is uh, there, and they are also talking to this other man uh, named uh, Gongora. Uh, now they're they're originally talking with with um, with Kaim. Asking him about the the mission itself, what happened exactly? Kinds of like a giant meteor came out of the sky, crashed everywhere, and like, well, how'd you survive? And Gongora then pops up and says, "Uh, he's actually an immortal." Uh, and they're like, well, "How did he become immortal?" And Gongora just straight up comes out and says, "Oh, I made him immortal." Yeah, <laughs> and I'm just I, for some reason I don't. I thought it was a revelation later on that we found out that Gongora made him immortal. Seems like it should be. Yeah, but I'm just like, oh, okay. All right, I don't remember that, but all right. Um, he's like, yeah, I, I made him an immortal um, using magic. And uh, so he, that's the reason why he was able to survive this. And uh, the council basically comes to the conclusion they believe that uh, this... Um, giant magical uh, tower known as a Grand Staff, which is kind of like um, Gongora's, kind of like um, his his main project that he's been working on, uh, which uh, it utilizes the magical energy in the Earth um, to basically power technology, do all sorts of stuff, live comfortable lives, much like the Shinra Corporation. And I wonder if they're pulling too much magical energy, a.k.a. the life stream. I'm just, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm speculating at this point, but it does have very, a lot of reminiscence of Final Fantasy VII. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they come to the conclusion they believe that Grand Staff may have caused this issue because there was something that happened at Grand Staff uh, recently, like a disruption, um, that they, they don't know exactly what happened. Since, and they've lost contact with the people, right? Yeah, they, they, they stopped, I think it was like, like four days earlier or something like that. They, they lost contact with the people at Grand Staff. So the council, um, thinks it's probably best that, uh, Gongora doesn't leave town. Uh, and not to say that they're accusing Gongora of anything. They're just saying, why don't you stay in your giant mansion for the time being until we sort everything out? And of course, Gongora is not happy about that, but they're the council. So, all right, whatever. Uh, but uh, on top of this, they want uh, Kaim to... Uh, uh, investigate Grand Staff. There's a lot of things I'd send an immortal, an immortal to do. <laughs> yeah, because they they don't know what's going on over there due to the magical energy. They don't even know if anybody can get close to this thing, but an immortal can. Uh, and uh, so 
we uh, they also uh, I think is it Kime that suggests he takes Seth with him? Yep. Okay. Yep. And it sounds like it was a little bit interesting that it didn't seem like Gongora knew that Seth was an immortal. So potentially, if Kaim was created by Gungora, maybe there's some other method of immortal creation or immortalization. Right. So um, that's what our next mission is going to be, which is going to uh, to Grand Staff. We're going to do the the trek there uh, with Seth. Um, we go and check into a hotel. Um, and, uh, we await further orders. Um, this... Gongora gets put under house arrest. Yeah, so now he's... So, Gongora can't leave town. You're gonna go under house arrest. Can't even Uh, leave his house, though, right? Yeah, he can't leave his house. Um, uh, and I think it's here where we get the cutscene where with him in the, in the, the used-to-be king. Right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, him just talking with the king. Um, it well, it happens a little bit later on whenever we have to we get summoned to Gongora, but um, anyway, um, so yeah. Uh, you, you also get the other dream from Kaim. I think just before that, where you see the, the the girl, the child, like launch herself off the cliff. Yeah, yeah. So he's starting to get more and more of his memories coming back to him, or. Presumably memories. Right. So, uh, Kaim, uh, and that's that's one of the big things. So, he has this dream while sleeping in the hotel. Uh, and it is uh, of a girl on a cliff with another woman there, a woman standing there, and Kaim is standing there as well. And the girl falls or possibly jumps off the cliff, and the woman is screaming for her. Uh, and we get more of that of that actual scene a little bit later on, which we'll, we'll delve into a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, then after he wakes up, he recovers a memory. And uh, these memories uh, are uh, part of Kaim remembering all of his his um, his past lives uh they're known as a, a thousand years of dreams so uh, it's it's suggested that Kaim has been alive for over a thousand years yep and uh he is piecemeal remembering certain things because he's seeing things in modern time right now that is basically jogging his memory uh, and these are the best parts of this game. Yeah, I was going to say so far, I, I really like these. So I want to save the dreams for the end because I want to talk specifically about the ones that I got. Now, I know for a fact I'm missing some because I actually looked at a fact because I want to get them all. Oh, interesting. Um, So... You have to wander around. You have to talk to people. You have to observe certain things in order to get these dreams. Some of them happen naturally, but some of them don't. So I want to make sure I get them all because I think these are fantastic. 
Yeah. Um, but we'll we'll save those for the end of the in the end of the show. Um, but yeah. Uh, so uh, Kaim has been summoned to Gongora's mansion. Uh, we go meet with Gongora, and uh, this is where we get the cutscene while Kaim is traveling to Gongora's mansion. Um, Gongora is meeting with the king, or what I should say, the previous king. So it has been suggested that uh, at one point or another in Ura, uh, there was a monarchy. The monarchy wasn't necessarily overthrown, I don't think, but it was basically determined by the people we don't want a monarchy anymore. We want to have like a council, almost like a democracy, almost. Yeah, basically, I voted out. Yeah, and so the king now is just just a, I wouldn't say a regular guy. He's still, he's still king. It's it's a lot like I guess Great Britain, maybe a figurehead. He's a figurehead. Yeah. Um, but uh, Gongora, while talking with this guy. Constantly calls him my king, constantly bows to him, and is basically showing, I don't like this council stuff. I wish you were yep. still back in power, and I don't I don't trust this council. I don't like what they're doing, and if only you were leading us again, everything would be just fine. It's very ham-fisted. Yeah, if he didn't already... Uh, dislike the council for having overthrown the king. He definitely dislikes them now that they took away Grandstaff from him. Yeah. And made him sit at home. Yeah. Uh, and the king the whole time is like, you can't talk like that. This, that's that's almost like, you know, you're being a traitor here. You know, the, yeah. the council was established. That's the rule now. You know, you're going to have to just give up on that. So, uh, but yeah, we get that cutscene. And then Kain goes to meet with Gongora. Now, this one is basically Gongora tells Kaim, "Look, you're going to be my eyes and ears going to Grand Staff. You need to pay attention, and you need to report back to me every single thing that you see there, because obviously I can't leave the house." And in order to make sure everything goes according to plan, you're going to be accompanied by one of my guys. And, oh, it's Jensen. This uh, very sarcastic... Um, I don't know how to describe Jensen. He, he, he's, he, he's very sarcastic, but at the same time, he's very bumbling. Yep. Yeah, he's just kind of like always on. He's yeah. always talkative, you know, he's he's a little bit flamboyant, he's a little bit of a dandy, but he's, you know, he's, he's just always talking. Kind of a comedian, kind of a, a bit foppish, but, you know, I, I, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, here's our Maru Maru. Yeah. But, but I actually don't dislike him, I, I find him to be quite funny. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind him. Uh he is uh he's goofy but at the same time he can be sincere um but there is uh one thing that we need to mention about Jensen 
is that Jensen is working for Gongora. Um, well, at this point he is. Um, and he's kind of like the lapdog of Gongora. Keep an eye on him. You know, make sure, yep. make sure they don't do anything that I wouldn't like. And very specifically, make sure that they don't start to get their memories back. Yeah. Um, which we see that a little bit later on, but I will, uh, we'll go ahead and mention it here. Um, before leaving town, Gongora has a little meeting with Jensen and is like, you need to keep an eye on these guys and make sure they never get their memories back. If they start getting their memories back, use this. And he hands him a little pebble that is like a magic, um, it's filled with magic energy and it will make people forget things. Also become, I guess, influential or not influential, but very easily uh, influenced. Easily influenced. And so, um, uh, after leaving, Kaim runs into Seth. Seth's like, "Hey, looks like we're going on a mission together. Uh, crazy how we got two immortals uh, going on the same mission." Kaim is very crass. Does not care. Very nonchalant, just does whatever he's told to do, kind of thing. Yeah, uh, she's a little bit more uh, outgoing. Seems like boisterous. Yeah, yeah, boisterous. Jumping all over the place here. Um, but uh, I, I don't know if she mentions it here, but she feels like she. I think I know you, or maybe I knew you in a past life. Yeah, but I also don't have my memory, so I don't. I don't know if I know you or not. Yep. Which is good. I mean, there's a lot of foreshadowing in the beginning here, or at least a lot of mysterious setup, you know, about how, you know, why does Kaim not want to regain his memories? Do they know each other? If so, how? You know, what about their their origin story? If they were, if at least Kaim was kind of created or turned immortal by Gungora, there's a lot of things to be explained i think right which is, you know always a good interesting setup well, so, what happened at grand staff so so here's the question that i, I had to bring up then if kime has lived for over a thousand years and gongora was the one that made him immortal is yep. gongora immortal <laughs> yeah that was my uh, that was my thought Un unless there's time travel to explain it he must be immortal right so um yeah. Uh, uh, so I, I guess next we embark on our, our mission to Grand Staff. Yeah, like Jensen just barreling out as we wait for him in the morning. <laughs> yep, we're waiting for him at the gate. Jensen busts out with three young women on his shoulders. and uh, Super drunk. He is very, very drunk. Um, and uh, everybody's kind of disgusted with him at this point. But, uh, yeah. And then he's about to go on a crazy hike, which, you know, that alone, I'm like, well, I couldn't do this. No, no, not, not as, I, not I, as drunk as I he was. I would need a day to recover, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, they, they do this long hike through the woods, uh, climbing a mountain. Uh, it's, uh, 
And this for me is where you're really getting into the the routine of the game. You get you start to get a lot more fights. Yeah. You, you do a lot more of the exploration. This is really the first time where I'm like, all right, I've got a team together. I am really getting to understand battles. This was this was the first time I started to get the ring the rings to work in, in the battle. Right. The active rings. So this yeah, this all the rest of it was set up for me now. I'm like, all right, we're we're off on an adventure now. Here's where the game starts. We're off to solve a mystery at Grand Staff. And uh, th- there is something just to mention here. This is not an open world RPG. In fact, this is um, it, it feels almost like Dragon Age Origins, where you select on a map, go here, yeah, next kind of thing. And you see Indiana Jones style them traveling. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, uh, so we're going through this uh, this forest slash uh, mountainous area. Running into enemies and stuff like that, and uh, one thing that I, you know, that I think I'm pretty sure Chad mentioned in his email last week, uh, and it kind of holds here true here. Regular enemies can give you some trouble. Yeah, certainly, especially, and maybe that's because they they move you along so much. I feel like a few levels later, these these enemies wouldn't give you trouble, but you you don't really keep fighting the same enemies for too long. Uh, yeah, there's, they, <laughs> I, I have had some people die, mostly Jansen. Uh, yeah. I need to, at this point in the game where we are at the end, I really need to find a good item store because I also don't have very many, I've got some health potions, but I don't have very many feathers, Phoenix Downs. <laughs> right. Angel plumes. Angel plumes, yeah. Yeah. And, and you definitely w- could, could use a stock of them. So there is another mechanic in this game I forgot to mention, and the reason why I forgot to mention it is because I I don't know how it works at all, <laughs> and that is the 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 guard meter. Is it GC? I don't know what it stands for, but it's um. Yep. Uh, it has, so I think it has to do with how much of a protection bonus whoever's in the back row gets, and it's based on the strength of whoever's in the front row. Right. And it was based on their hit points. Is that it? I think so. Um, but okay. my issue is I get mine. I don't get the enemies. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter, I feel like. If, if you have enemies that are in the front row and you have enemies in the back, kill the enemies in the front first and then work your way to the back. That's the only thing that I can think of. Like yep. I, I see no strategy on attacking guys in the back until you've got the the, the front row out because it, it it doesn't it you're not doing any damage really. Yeah, I'd imagine this gets more important later on as we get more magic users and more situationally impactful enemies. Sure, right? If you've got if you've got enemies that are weaker in the back. You know, depending on what they're doing to affect the battle, right? I, I I might take the less damage per attack in order to kill them first because they're annoying. Or they're healing. Just, they're healing yeah, the healing. front row or something like that. You know. Yep. I, yeah, I, I, get, I get that, but I'm just like, yeah. So far, everything that I've ran into is just you know, I I don't kill the front row first. Yep. And the one time we've really had a healer, he wasn't even part of the battle anyway. Yeah. So, um, 
yeah, this is also where I start setting up, you know, skill links and stuff like that, learning. Uh, everybody's learned level one, level two, white and black magic kind of thing. Um, the, the other thing that I don't, I don't have a grasp on is that I have found magic in chests and stuff like that. I have no idea how to equip those. I have, I have scoured the menus in this game. I have ground, the ability ground, which is basically using earth element to attack. No idea how to equip it to Jensen. I see. A, to, yeah, to I, Jensen. I guess he's the only one, right? Because it seems like for the immortals, all you need to do is is get your level one or level two white or white or black magic. But yeah, I wonder if you can equip it to Jensen. I mean, what's the point of having it then? Yeah, I, I guess just the way things were bucketed, I wasn't sure if I, I wasn't sure if like by default, if ground is like a level one black spell that somehow it just because you know level one black magic that it would just fit into that bucket, mm. or if you actually need to learn ground specifically. Well, see, I don't know how to learn it. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, you know, I've got Jansen there who knows how to do all of it, but they, he for some reason doesn't have it. And I've looked through my spell book and it's there and I'm just like, I don't, do I click it on spell book? Nothing happens. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Yeah, this game isn't so far, unless I'm missing it, super great explaining some of these things. Yeah, some things. I wasn't even sure how to do the, you know, the active rings in the battle. Because I know they give you that one quick tutorial, but then after that's over, is there a way to see it? I'm sure there's a system menu where you can go back and look at all the tutorials. I yeah, think. there must be. I just did a quick look and couldn't find it, but I figure it must be there somewhere. Yeah. But, um... And also, you don't have, like, a journal, per se. Like, I... So far, I haven't lost the thread of what I was doing, but at one point, I put the game down when I was just in the in the village after talking to the ca the council and then when I started it back up the next time I'm like where in the game let's say I had put this down for five or six days where in the game does it actually tell me what my objective is right now I don't think there is one yeah I don't think there is one and so when when I when I saw that and then with the random battles I was like oh god <sighs> The, these are two of the things that put me off of RPGs for decades. So far, it hasn't been a problem, but I just... It's its in the back of my mind as something I'm wary of. You know, I found it funny, especially in this game, with random battle encounters. It seems like the moments I want to grind, I will run around a map for an hour and not run into anything. But the moments yep. I want to get through an area, <laughs> I run every two steps. Yep. I wonder if it scales in that same way. Like when it's, It seems like when I'm new in an area, I'm getting attacked a lot. And then as I'm leveling up, you know, once they get to the point where a fight's only worth 2 XP, maybe that maybe that's when they really ramp down the, the frequency. It could be. 
That could be. Because the only time that that because that, that happened to me very distinctly, um, you know, right this next boss actually, I, I fought it once, died, and then I'm like, all right, well, I clearly need to level up. I haven't spent any time leveling, and then was just running back and forth trying to level and not finding any random battles. <laughs> yeah, that happened with me with the last boss we'll be talking about. Um, when I was trying to get SP for the 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 paralysis. Yep. But, um, oh man. So, uh, yeah, going through this, we, we make it to, um, this, uh, kind of like, a a cottage up on the top of the mountain. Mysteriously uninhabited. Yep. Yet one of my, (laughs) one of the things I always laugh at in games is when there's these uninhabited cabins, but they've got candles going. Yeah. There's always candles going. I mean, it can't be that uninhabited. The candle's only going to last a day. Maybe we assumed that they lit them before we walked in there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Right before. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Jensen is uh, tired. He wants to take a break. So we stop for the night. Um, Kaim is having another one of his dreams. And throughout this whole journey so far, they've been mentioning both him and Seth saying, yeah, this place feels familiar. I can't put my finger on it. I've been here before, but I don't know when. Uh, and that's when we get the cutscene of, of Jansen basically talking with Gongora, saying, here, use yeah. this if they start learning, you know, start getting their memories back. A, tra- a traitor among us. It's always no. a good setup. Yeah. Is he going to turn? Is he going to have a heart of gold and change his mind? We'll find out. Right. So, uh, yeah, um, there's one thing else I should mention, uh, in the, um, there, there's a bookcase in this, uh, cottage. If you read the book, there is a journal talking about that there is this, uh, giant monster that has been roaming this mountain and, uh, well, get ready cause <laughs> we're about to run into it. There's also a really key item that I found here. I. Uh, <laughs> You know, we pick up so many things that sometimes I just kind of ignore them. <laughs> uh, but but some of the unique ones are super, super useful because leaving here, when I died at the boss, I was like, my number one issue was I don't even know if I was close to beating him. Was I, was I 90% of the way there and I just need to do a little better? Or am I categorically off and I did almost no damage to him? Not a clue. And then I realized that the item I had just picked up actually allows you to see the enemy hit points. Yeah, it tells them I'm the, like, oh, perfect. The, the type that they may be weak to as well. Yep. So, um, but then you got to keep in mind that skill, I mean, you can have that, uh, that item equipped, but if you try to take that item off and have that skill, that's going to take up one of your precious skill slots. Yep. So it's, it's kind of like a give and take thing. But uh, yeah, so our first big boss fight that we have uh, is the Griffin. I'll call it. It looks like a Griffin. Yeah, they called it a Grillgan. Yeah, um, I did not die here. Um, Jensen died, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was able to finish it off. And this is—I what... definitely did. I was pretty under leveled when I fought him. This um. Oh man, this 
this game is is falling into the uh the the tropes of RPGs of yesteryear because <laughs> if if a party member falls in battle and if you win that battle everybody gets experience except for the person that fell in battle but then yeah. then they but then they make a miraculous recovery and have one hit point when the battle's over and i'm just like great so now i always will have this person under leveled <laughs> until i yeah, grind I, I didn't actually see that happen but it was my number one fear so i'm like no matter what happens do not finish the end, the boss off until this person is resurrected yeah that's that was my thing especially for bosses i guess but i don't yeah. know yeah um but uh, that that's that's one of them and then uh, as chad confirmed uh, there will be parts in this game where you're playing as completely different people or you're playing with characters that you don't normally use and are forced to, and they're going to be underleveled. Yeah, just hearing that makes me nervous. That, I'm already nervous about that it. That makes me cringe. Uh, there's a reason why they made experience share in Pokemon a thing. It's because you don't want to do that kind of grinding. Ain't nobody got time for that. But we'll see how it goes. But yeah, after beating the Griffin, uh, we move on to uh, a... It's like a construction zone? Right? Yeah, you're getting closer. So like right when we... Around the time we see the Griffin, you can see the Grand Staff off in the distance. Yep. So we're we're just kind of going piecemeal closer and closer. There's like a a little bit of a mining site that we walk through, and then you get to the construction base. Yeah, which is the guys that's working on Grand Staff. But I didn't get anybody saying something bad happened at Grand Staff. Maybe yeah, I would, they seem I wasn't talking to, to other people. Yeah, I seem to be a little bit confused why we were even there, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they knew that there were some some issues, but not that, that it had gone silent. Yeah. I was like, oh, we didn't know you guys were coming. But I wandered around this place for a while. Uh, I healed up, rested at a bed. Did you do it? It looked like there was a little bit of a stealth section. I off did. To the side. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um... It was annoying because it kept catching me, but I finally got there. And uh, it leads you to a guy where, uh, where you can buy stuff. Yeah, that's the guy I need to find. I hope that's not the only guy who sells stuff. I don't think so. I'm sure you'll run into other people. But this guy sold me two new swords and a new staff for uh, my party members. And so oh, I, was, nice. I was happy about that. It raised my attack up. Um, th th That's another thing. This game is not very heavy on the stats so far. If I go yeah. to a character... So, here's the thing. I equipped Jansen with a new staff. It raised his attack. Does that mean it also raised his magic attack? Because his regular attack is crap. Yep. Do I need to get him a new staff? Because if it's just his physical attack, that's useless to me. But if yeah, that staff... he's not the guy that needs a physical attack. Right? Exactly. So if that staff also affects his magical prowess, I need to know this. This is why I like Diablo. 
Because Diablo has a giant page that shows you every single thing about your character. This game, so far, I unless I'm missing it somewhere, I don't see any of that. Like, how are they calculating damage here? That's yep. what I, I want to I can't tell if it's, if it's obscured and, and, and it's causing me angst, or if it's just, it's not there, don't worry about it, it's not that important. I can't tell which of the two, like, whether it is important and I just don't know what I'm doing, or whether it's not important and that's why they don't worry about showing it. Right. I don't know. But, yeah. So I bought some extra stuff, geared up there, and then continued on. So Grand Staff is actually on, like, this little island uh, with uh, multiple islands in between this, like, little peninsula. So we're traveling in between these little islands to reach Grand Staff. Uh, so it's another little area there. Um, it's a lot of, like, I found pretty much everything here as far as, like, items go, which includes yeah. the yellow band, which is very important. Yep. So, um, I don't, nothing really major here that, that we need to talk about. We do run into some enemies. They look like little crabs colorful crabs that will uh charge up power and i was like oh i probably need to kill that thing soon uh and um we eventually make it to the base of grand staff and oh no a boss fight and this boss fight uh is a giant worm that you yeah energy worm Yes, it uses the magical energy. So it's a giant worm that also has those little crabs there. The little crabs will charge up power. And then on the worm's turn, it will absorb all that power that's being charged up by the little crabs. And it has a meter. If that meter fills up, it unleashes a massive attack that hits all characters... And instantly paralyzes them. That's not a word, but you know what I mean. <laughs> it instantly paralyzes them. Now, the status effect paralyze works a lot like, <laughs> going back to it, Pokemon. If your character is paralyzed, there is a certain percentage chance that they will not be able to move, which means they lose their turn. It's not always, but sometimes it does happen. So... At this point, I had the yellow band on Kaim. He didn't get paralyzed, but Jensen and Seth both mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I healed, got rid of that, and was slowly picking off all the, the little uh, crabs to make sure it didn't charge up. And then I get a full turn where I could attack the worm, kill the worm. Easy peasy. Play the, the Final Fantasy fanfare. We're done. Wrong. <laughs> cue, uh, cue Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor going, Wrong! Because here comes another one. And the fight, you have to do the same thing over again. So there's two of them you have to fight. I had forgotten about that. The second one, completely wiped my team. Yep. And I was like, great. So, I started over. And I grind 
to get the SP to make sure everybody had anti-paralysis. Uh, that's what I wanted. That's what I should have done. That's what I did before the Griffin. And here I was just like, I I think I clicked to restart at the last save and it, and it immediately brought me back into the boss battle. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I, I guess I might be screwed here. Uh, I guess I can revert to an earlier save, but I'm going to lose more than just the boss battle time. Uh, so, yeah, I fully intended to do what you did, but I ended up just fighting it twice in a row. Mm. But, yeah, so uh, after uh, putting anti-paralysis on everybody, that boss fight became a little bit of a joke. Yeah, I only had mine on Jansen uh, because I figured if he's not going to be doing the physical damage that, you know, I, I need him there casting anti-paralysis paralysis on the other two and healing them and using that Zephyr to heal all three of them. Except this was also where one of the battles where I would have him do like the the attack that hits all enemies. He's got one magic attack that hits all enemy, enemies. The uh, the It's the paralysis one. No, I, in, uh, Jansen's. Black oh, magic. Jansen's. Um... Oh, jeez, I don't know what it is. Well, whatever that one is, I'm like, this is perfect, because there's, like, seven enemies. I'm going to get maximum value out of this. And then it takes him two full turns, and then they hit him, so that, like, knocks him to the back of the priority even further. Yeah. So I, I might have gotten this once off, but I also realized it probably wasn't worth the two and a half turns it took to execute. Mm-hmm. So I was a little torn. I'm like, I don't know how to keep him safe enough. Like, I need somebody else to be able to pull the attacks to keep him out of harm's way so that he can actually get off his long lead time attacks. It worked out really well when I did it, but I don't think it was worth it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, after beating this boss, uh, we need to investigate Grand Staff. So first thing we need to do is kind of maybe wander around the area to see what's really going on here because we noticed these creatures are feeding off of this magic energy that's coming off of Grand Staff. What's going on here? So we wander around. We find there's multiple pipes busted and magic energy is kind of just spewing out of it. We don't know what's actually going on here. Um, but as we're investigating, uh, we get attacked there is a... Uh, By a, a Heihachi? Yeah, it looks like him, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, like a younger him. There's a, there's a guy, uh, he's got um, he's got the uh, Julius Caesar uh, thing. The, yeah, the Tufts. Yeah, is that what that is? I don't know what that's called. It's like the olive, I don't know if olive branches. Like, yeah. But... Um, uh, he has a little army with him, and they're shooting arrows at us, and he's like, stop them. So we have a whole bunch of guys coming at us, and we have another fight. And this is all right after a boss fight, and I'm like, oh, can I not save my game here, guys? Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, so we have a fight with five guys, and in the back is a healer, and we have to fight these soldiers who are constantly getting healed. But I was able to beat this. Not 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 too difficult. Um, but it doesn't really matter because 
Um, after this fight, uh, there's a cutscene of basically us getting overpowered. Uh, we're going to get caught. Jensen, luckily, uh, we tell him, blow up the pipes. Use your magic to, to hit those pipes and blow them up. So we make a giant explosion, but it doesn't matter. We get caught anyway. I guess it was a valiant effort, I guess. Yeah. Better luck next time. So we are put in uh, these, uh, I guess, cages? Yeah, to me, they're the, the spheres from Fusion Frenzy. And I want these guys to break out and just start battling each other. But <laughs> clearly it doesn't happen. Yeah, so we're, we're stuck in these cages. And that's when... Um, we have a little cutscene with uh, with everybody. They're all in a cage, a separate cage with each other, or not with each other, but separately from each other. And um, and you control the other characters. Yeah. Brief, uh, if if even if only briefly. I still can't figure out what I was doing here. I did get an item at the end of it. So we see a mouse, and we scare the mouse to each other's cages. And then the mouse had something in its mouth, and I picked it up, and then nothing really, it didn't matter. Uh, I thought it was just the key to the cage. Was it something else? Well, I never got out of the cages. Oh. <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, but there is there is a few important things here. So, uh, Kaim is obviously remembering things. We get another one of those memories while he's looking at the bars. And uh, Jansen's like, are you learning? Are you remembering? And Khan basically comes out and says, I don't really care about my memories. Yeah, in fact, I don't want to remember my memories. Yeah. But, um... Which Seth, Seth doesn't really understand. <laughs> well, yeah. But, um... So after doing that little mini game where I was I was chasing a mouse, uh, our cages are picked up by these these claws and are pulled up into what looks like a giant cruise ship. That's that's also traveling. I'm confused yeah. as to how we got there. Yeah, I am as well. <laughs> but um I'm trying to think here. There was one other thing. The the dude, the Hayachi guy, um, was talking about the queen of this. Uh, like they're, they're trying to speculate on who these people are. If they're like uh, spies or or if they're you know trying to like terrorize them or something like that. And they keep insinuating that they are just travelers passing through. And uh, he starts talking about the queen and calls them calls her a figurehead. And they take a big offense to that. How dare you call her the the the, the figurehead? She's the queen. Show her some respect. Yeah. But anyway, 
we're pulled up into this thing. We're now locked up in a different, uh, a different cell, because despite all of our rage, we're still just <laughs> rat in a cage. But uh, um, I, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Kaim is is asleep, and he's having that reoccurring dream again. Uh, this time, he's there. Uh, different from the dream dreams, right? This, yeah. Th- yeah, this was like a, not just a text dream. Th- yeah. This is the the one with the little girl and it's cutscene dream rather yeah. than read the text. We see the, the little girl fall. The woman is there trying to reach for her. Kaim is also trying to reach for her. They are both sobbing uncontrollably. And as he is uh, holding on to this woman... He looks in the distance and sees this shadowy figure watching over them. And then he wakes up. Char- charging up a bit of magic. Yeah. So he wakes up. And uh, we're now trying to figure out how to get out of this place. Um, Jansen has his little orb that he got from Gungora. And... Uh, he's like, I got an idea. There's a guard right there outside the gate. He takes the orb, throws it at the guard. This magical cloud surrounds him. He falls over, and he's like, where am I? What am I doing? And Jensen's like, hey, uh, you were actually coming to let us out. It was all just a big misunderstanding, and uh, yeah, they were going to let us go, so you kind of fell over and and you don't remember what you were supposed to be doing so how about you let us out of here yeah where you said it makes them more susceptible to influence i assume that's the interpretation and not just that the guard was incompetent all along <laughs> oh true yeah i'm i'm guessing that's how it is almost yeah, like the... cuz nothing else really has implied that that Numenara, these people are are idiots. Where in in this wood, if it, if it wasn't an effect of that little orb, then you know they're they're pretty desperate for some better guards. Right. So um, and the Kaim's like, whoa, where did you get that? And he's like, oh, Gongor gave it to me. And like, so you he just gave you something that makes people forget their memories. And he's like, yep. Yeah. I can't tell if this is the turning point for Jansen. Like, he's like, ah, I'm not going to use this on these people. Or if he's just an idiot and is like, hey, this, this will this will get us out of here. So, it could just be that he's selfish and is trying to save his own skin by getting out of jail by using this thing. Which sounds likely. Yeah, I was interested that he didn't didn't mention any further about what he was intending to do, but also there wasn't a lot of angst over using it not on Kaim. Right, he doesn't really struggle with that decision, so I wondered a little bit you know, what are his actual motives? Does he actually have any intent to do anything bad to Kaim? All right. And uh, during this time, we also get a, uh, a small cutscene 
showing the I guess the bridge of this this ship that we're on, and uh, this woman who is obviously the queen emerges and is basically like seeing over the people on the ship. And um, but yeah, after escaping, there is a save point there, and I saved my game and quit, and that's where I stopped. So, we are now on the White Boa, I believe is what it's called. Yep, I think I I assume that's the ship. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming too. That's what the that's what the save point was called, White Boa. Yep. And that's uh, that's it. That's where I uh, that's where I stopped. I know Matt, you you finished up the White Boa area. Yeah, I just played one more section. It's as far as dungeons go, it's a little little interesting, a little different, but. Uh, we'll see how typical it is going forward. Have you had Kaim or Seth fall in battle yet? No, only Jansen. Okay. A couple, couple times. So, uh, there is actually an interesting mechanic here, and I remember it from my first play, my first time I played this game. If Immortals fall in battle, after two turns, they come back to life. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So, if you can hold out your guys will come back without having to use an angel plume. You can use an angel plume to bring them back right away. Yep. Yep. And it's interesting. The, uh, you know, as we talked about the magic charging, most of the, most of the time when I'm playing these RPGs, I don't end up using items to heal because I, I feel like I don't want to deplete that. And it's easier to replenish magic points than it is health potions. But in this game, there's such a stark difference in timing between using a health item for only 100 points versus the magic that might give you 150 or more points. But it takes so much longer that I did find myself having to juggle which ones I use depending on the severity of the need, which yeah, I guess was a little bit of a, bon- uh, a positive point for the game because – it makes them relevant and you know the potions are essentially immediate use whereas the you know that magic takes so long that you really need to know in advance what you're going to do i feel like in in the heat of battle that makes the most sense um but if you're if you're just traveling through a dungeon and you want to keep healing everybody i feel like it would be best to like keep a giant stack of like magic healing about abilities or magic healing items you know, yep. MP restores. Yep. And so then I, just use the magic to heal yourself between battles rather than within. Which is what I'm probably going to do is, is honestly, I'm probably going to spend the next play session grinding, but not for levels or skill points, but rather gold. And if I can find a vendor that sells those, like, I think it's called mana herbs. Yep. Probably going to stockpile those. Yeah, that's a good, good call. But uh, so the next thing I want to bring up is the memories, um, because as I said before, these are the the piece de la resistance of Lost Odyssey. These are the things that made me cry, and I'm not gonna lie, I was tearing up in one of them this this play session. Mm. Uh, so the ones that I got was, uh, Hannah's departure. Yep. Uh, which is 
it's you can't miss it. It's the first one you get. Uh, white flowers. Um, let's see here, the upstreamers. Yeah, I definitely got that one. And uh, they live in shells. Yep, got that one too. Those were the ones that I got. Um, and these basically are memories of Kimes from his many, many, many years of traveling. Um, the one that made me tear up was the first one, which was Hannah's departure. Um, it's such a nice story. Uh, Kaim, uh, has, uh, uh, been traveling as a mercenary for, for a long time. And he always stops at this inn and tells only the good things to this little girl. This little girl grew up or, or was born very frail and sickly. So she can't leave. And so she just basically stays in this end the whole time and she loves talking to travelers about what they've seen and he tells her only the good things even though he is a bloody mercenary and uh finally her her uh, illnesses take the better of her he shows up at the end and she is laying on her deathbed and can't speak can't see and they say hearing is the last thing to go yeah and he tells her of the stories of the wonderful things, the nice things. And then she passes. Uh, that one really hit me. Um, and I should mention that all these memories are played out, um, in text based pages. Um, I, I like the backgrounds. I love the music in it. Um, even sometimes they they kind of have like a flashy way of showing the the letters as they pop up on screen and stuff like that. Yeah, like some PowerPoint animations. Yeah, have it fade in, have them bounce in. It's uh, it's really well done. Um, white flowers, uh, which I think this one was, I didn't get. So this one's actually really nice. Um, so white flowers, and it, it gives you a little bit more backstory into Kimes past white flowers is Kaim is showing up to this town and uh, the town's having this big festival he goes up to this uh, the this bar and the barkeeper there is telling him yeah it's, it's a festival uh, that we're having we have it every year on this day uh, in remembrance of a earthquake that happened and um uh, and it killed uh, like a lot of the people in the village. Only a few people survived. Um, and Kimes like he tells him he's like, oh yeah, I, I remember that earthquake. He's like, how could you remember it, it happened like two hundred years ago? Huh. So Kime remembers uh, when the earthquake happened because he was living in that village at the time with his wife and daughter. And his uh, daughter, why it's called White Flowers, is because his daughter loves uh, these uh, little flowers that grow, uh, and they only bloom for a day. And um, then they wither away. 
and um the, the he promises his daughter something i can't remember what it was he promises his daughter something that they'll do the next day well in the night the earthquake happened and his wife and his daughter were killed he was the only, i don't think he was the only survivor but he survived and um he had actually came to that village to go to that festival because he wanted to see if people that lived in that village remembered the tragedy that happened and he noticed everybody was just getting drunk and being jovial and having a great time and he believed that they had forgotten the reason why this day was was remembered but um at the end everybody goes out to the town square and sings this song and Kaim also does as well and he realizes they haven't forgotten also those white flowers have bloomed again and instead of withering away in a day because of the soil changes after the earthquake they live for a little bit longer like three days and it's one of those things of uh something good can come out of something really bad. Mm. So that's that's a really good one because it shows that Kaim has started families before. And it actually mentions in that story that that's not the only family he's ever had. He has seen countless wives and children grow old and pass. Let's see here. The Upstreamers. Another uh, uh, tale about uh, this these these group of people. It's almost like a religion where they they travel uh, through this valley where the wind is very harsh, and these people believe that they're trying to make it to where the wind begins. It's a perpetual wind that keeps play that keeps blowing. It must be from along the dark. Yeah, I or the Witcher. I I definitely didn't really understand this story in that I I guess I don't know enough about the world yet. But like th- this journey has been going on for generations, right? It's not like a pilgrimage so much as it is a perpetual like that. You know, they're talking about giving birth, and you know, their children and their children's children are still going to be on this path going towards where the wind comes from. Yeah. But, I mean, hundreds of years of travel doesn't get you across the world? Or to I, the edge? I don't know. I know. It was confusing to me, too. I was thinking that myself. I was like, at some point they must just reach the end, and then, then what do they do? What, what did they do? But it doesn't sound like they ever have done that. So I, I guess I was just a little confused on... I mean, not really important to the story, but... Yeah. Kaim meets a little girl who um, is part of this pilgrimage. Um, And it's shown, basically, that uh, some people, they travel to village to village. Some of them decide to to stop going the path and uh, settle down. And then sometimes they decide to come back and do it again. And... uh, uh, Kaim, after many years, uh, runs into 
a uh, young boy who has is a spitting image of that girl he met years and years ago. And they said, yeah, we're burying my grandmother who returned back to being an upstreamer. And he remembers the grandmother is actually the little girl that he had met a long time ago. Uh, and then the last one, and one of my favorites so far, is uh, They Live in Shells, which is... Kaim is placed in a dungeon. He's been arrested and placed in a dungeon that is cages that is also in total darkness. And this was triggered when he was in the Numenara jail, right? Yes. Numenara camp? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, he remembers uh, being put in these cages... And basically left there to rot. Um, but, you know, given enough food just to survive. And he remembers all these countless uh, people who come in and then either kill themselves or die of starvation. And then are dragged out until only him and this old man are left. And this old man's like, my guys are coming any sec, any minute now. And sure enough... His guys come, the revolution has happened, they've overthrown the government, and uh, the old man, as he's being brought back from the underground, uh, gazes at the sky for the first time and is immediately blinded because of how bright the sun is. And Kaim knew not to look at the, not, not to open his eyes when he first left the, the, the dungeon. And, uh, the old man asked him, he's like, does that, what does everything look like? And Kaim tells him, well, you guys won, but it's not very nice. <laughs> yeah, dead bodies everywhere. Uh, so Kaim spent numerous years just locked up in this dungeon in pure darkness for years. This 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 story is crazy. Yeah, and and one of like as you start to learn maybe more about his past, might start to realize why he doesn't want to remember some of it. There's a lot of bad memories in there. Yeah, that's that's one of the big things that I think the these stories kind of uh, kind of convey, which they've always conveyed in other forms of media, uh, being an immortal is way more of a curse than it is a blessing. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's all, always a relevant kind of question and theme to explore because you see it in vampire stories too about how it, it kind of breeds loneliness when when you're immortal and everyone you love and everyone you know dies. Yep. It's hard not to have some negativity there. But... um but yeah, did you get any other stories, Matt? No, I, I I only got those ones and not White Flowers. Gotcha. Uh, but I have copied down that list of stories to print out because it tells you exactly how to trigger each of them. I, I would like to get all the stories in the game as well. Yeah, it's um, so there's three stories that I missed 
you have to go to the the tavern in the first starting city, and you have to go there three times. Leave, come back, leave, come back. And it's three separate stories. But I have not seen those yet. So, we have three emails. Nice. There's multiple people playing along with us. This go around. Um, First one comes in from Chad, the man himself, the one who who told us to play this game to begin with. Uh, He says, A journey without a home or destination is considered wandering. He says, Howdy, guys. I'm going to keep my email this week short and sweet, considering I know others have a lot to say, and you are probably running long. Although this game story has some twists, it really only has a few underlying mysteries from the start to finish. It's more of a journey story than a grand mystery. Mm-hmm. So let's jump right into it. Early prediction time. Now oh, these are always my favorite. Number one. What is your current theory on why Kaim and Seth are immortal? I don't know. Mm. I I don't I don't know. Why they're immortal. I guess we know the how, or at least we've had an indication as to the how. I get the I get the feeling to suffer. A little bit like Jesus to pay for pay, to suffer for everyone else. I I know I I think I I think uh, I think Kaim may have done something to Gongora to make Gongora do this to him. Mm. You don't think he was hoodwinked into it as, like, you could be immortal, and at the time, that was the greatest thing he could ever imagine, and it only soured over time? I don't know. I don't think so. I feel like I'm going to I'm gonna bring it up again, because I brought it up before. Dark Shadows. The, 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 the vampire soap opera of the 1960s. Hmm. Barnabas Collins. Uh had a curse put on him and he got turned into an immortal vampire and it is all about his suffering being an immortal sucks and I think that's what this is about I think this is a revenge do you think there's any kind of craziness where like maybe they they're not even humans or something and these are some kind of spirits of the earth or and they've just been imbued into bodies so maybe it was never a positive or negative thing maybe it was just a personification i don't know i don't know i could i couldn't really tell you it would be a little bit more extreme than than a curse but yeah who knows? I mean, when magic's involved, any you know anything anything's possible. Number two, it is implied that they have lived for over a thousand years, but have lost their memory. That's a lot of years worth of experience to suddenly forget. What do you speculate is the cause of their amnesia? Pretty sure Gangora. <laughs> yep. I could be wrong, but 
and I, especially he knows they lost their memories and he's trying his best to make sure they don't get them back. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what else it could be other than him. Other than, again, some kind of breakdown in the f- fabric of the earth that maybe allowed the magic to come out. Because it does it does sound like magic is relatively new to the world, right? Because it sounds like they've, they've set up these things to harvest it. Yeah. So maybe, maybe something, I don't know, it wouldn't make sense that they were immortals before there was magic, really, but... Yeah. Hmm. Don't know. Number three. The game definitely leads you to believe Gongora is a bad guy. But is he? He is evidently employing some shady tactics. What do you think he is ultimate, ultimately trying to do? I mean, the simplest thing for me would be the the greater good approach. Like, he's he's put this, let's say it's a curse on however many people, because we know there's more immortals in the game. You know, but maybe he's done this and they somehow balance out the stealing of energy from the earth or the utilization of the magic and that the magic is bettering society, so the bettering of everybody is worth the suffering of the few. That, I mean, to me, that's like this, the simple answer. I, I hope it's something maybe more interesting. So I think what he's ultimately trying to do we both came up with the the thought process uh power of of deduction here if uh, gongora made kime immortal and kime is over a thousand years old that means gongora is immortal i think yep. the ultimate goal is gongora is trying to stop him from being immortal i think gongora is trying to reverse whatever has happened to them mm. Yeah, I, I was something along those lines. I guess I was one of the one of the potential things I was thinking was that he was just experimenting on these people, right? Because when you meet Kangora, he's got like a lab in his house. Yeah. So one of my thoughts was that he just wanted to be the ultimate immortal or the only immortal, and maybe he's just experimenting on people until he gets it right. Yeah. Maybe he's got himself in a form of immortality, but. Maybe there's some drawback we don't know about, and he yeah, either wants to eliminate the other people who have, he's taken along with him, so he's the only one, or you know, or, or find level two immortality. Hmm. Number four. Although Kaim occasionally recovers memories, there is one reoccurring one with a girl falling or jumping off of a cliff. Thoughts and theories. I mean, the way, yeah. Ka- the way Kaim is screaming for this girl. I'm pretty sure that's his daughter. Yeah, it feels like Kratos. Yeah. And I think that's his wife. Calliope. Now, uh, I'm not going to delve into this. I know a little bit more. Because mm. I've played a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure I know who that girl is. Um, But... um. I can't fully remember. Maybe I have a little bit of Kaim in me. Um, it's been a long time since I've actually played this game. In fact, it's been over 10 years. So, But I do remember a revelation 
involving that girl. I think I remember that. And uh, lastly, number five, Gungor is apparently at least familiar with Kaim and Seth, lying to the council that his own magic made them immortal. But what do you think his relationship is with these two? Yeah, like I said, maybe he's... Yeah, maybe he's punishing them, or maybe they're just test subjects, or... Yeah, I'm not sure what else. Now, wait a minute. He says, Gungor is apparently at least familiar with Kaim and Seth, lying to the council that his own magic made them immortal. So wait, his magic didn't make them immortal? Because I was still under the impression that he made them immortal. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I guess that will be maybe maybe part I, of the mystery. Maybe I missed it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I thought he said that pretty clearly, pretty explicitly. I don't remember when they walked it back, but maybe they did. Yeah, they probably did. I don't know. Maybe I missed that. But that's uh, that's the end of his email. I appreciate that email. Thank you. Mm. Those are some good questions that we will have to think on and at least explore our next uh, email comes in from Dustin it's titled The Crying Game (laughs) Lost Odyssey huh or should we just call this game collection of depressing short stories those dreams make me sad I even teared up a couple of times already some of the later ones I found are tame but I'm sure there's a lot more sad ones to find the battle system I'm not in love with. The ring gimmick is dumb, and I found I find myself hitting a A rather than holding the trigger. They have the stun system to delay magic attacks, but it's kind of useless since most magic isn't cast until the end anyway, and later magic takes two rounds to cast. Also, I have no idea how the GC system works, so I haven't paid much attention to it. Just kill the front line, then the back line. As far as characters go, Kaim and Seth are interesting with both being immortal and slowly regaining their memories. When Jensen showed up, I thought he would be the atypical, annoying JRPG character, and he does fill that role at times, but I was actually surprised how many times I have laughed at his dialogue and enjoyed him in the cutscenes. Some are cringy, but some are comedic. So far, the biggest hurdle in this game was the first freaking Griffin boss. (laughs) I died multiple times since I was trying to use Jensen as a healer, and I even tried grinding one level, but I ended up dying, and instead of auto-saving before the boss, it reloaded the previous auto-save with the lower level. I then grinded again to regain that one level, and I noticed it took twice the battles this time, and I don't really get why one group of monsters awards XP and the other doesn't. But anyway, I saved at the cabin, then went to the boss, and instead of healing, I tried flare, and yep, I wished I had tried that right away. I haven't had much trouble since that boss. Okay, so I'm about to disc three, and no spoilers, but I think I'm missing something. Is there a way to replenish your health at save points, kind of like a tent in Final Fantasy? 
There's a couple of dungeons in disc 2 I had to leave to sleep at an inn and come back since I didn't want to blow all my money on potions. Pro tip, learn all the anti-status abilities from items you can. Enemies love status effects in disc 2. Well, that's good to know. Good to know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know if there is like a tent item in this game or not. There was that that one specific point right before we fought the five guards before Hihachi. That's right. There was that, there was that glowing blue thing. Yeah, it was like a bluish purple orb instead of the yellow one that we save at. So I don't think you get I don't think you get healed at a regular save, but there was that thing that didn't do anything else other than heal you, I think. Right. Yeah. You're right. I remember that now. Maybe they're just few and far between. I guess stock up on health potions, man. Or magic healing. Yeah, but again, in a slightly odd way, the game doesn't actually tell you what that thing does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here, I'm loving the music. The overworld theme really grew on me. The game borrows a lot from Final Fantasy IX with how you learn abilities. It's a lot of menuing, and it isn't the best, but it works. At first, I liked exploring the environments, trying to find hidden items, but now I just find myself scraping, wall scraping, mashing A, Resident Evil style. <laughs> yeah, me too, a little bit. I find some of the clothing fascinating, like Gungora's long medals that just dangled there. How does he tolerate that? Spe <laughs> speaking of him, why did they throw him in house arrest? Seems kind of sudden for the introduction. Also, the opening battle, did anyone else think that they were in a cave and the ceiling gave way to lava? Yep. So maybe a cave and a 100%. volcano. <laughs> it did not look like a meteor. <laughs> yep. Dang. Anyway, that's all I got for now. Dustin. Yep. And it sounded like the, the reason they put him under house arrest is because they weren't sure if he was responsible for the meteor. Right. Because they, they, they basically said, it was the magic of Grand Staff is going going wild, and we think that's the cause. We don't know if you're responsible or not, but just to be safe, you can't leave. Right? There, there wasn't more to it than that, right? No, it wasn't like that he was under arrest. I guess what we don't know is really his history, because there was that guy, you know, the, the leader of the council, uh, Roxian, I think is his name? I think so. And it, I, I guess what we don't know is, is kind of their history. Like, did... Is Gangora was it already tenuous that he was leading Grand Staff, or you know was that his from the beginning, his idea, his setup? I, you know, I guess maybe we'll find some of this out. But there's one other thing we forgot to mention: uh, the cutscene with Gangora leaving the house. Oh yeah. So while we are on our travels, uh, we have a cutscene of the king, the previous king sitting there getting ready to eat. Uh, and um, Gongora rushes in and knocks the plate out of his hand. Uh, the the soup falls to the ground and uh, the king's like, what in the world are you doing? Gongora releases a rat. The rat runs up to the soup and starts eating it and then turns into a plant creature? Yep, and then dies. It's like almost like poison. And Gongor is like, "I'm glad I made it in time." Looks like you can't trust a lot of the people around you, but you can trust me. And course, yeah, and even though it's like a democracy now led by the council, there are people who I, I guess just 
don't even want the option for the monarchy to be reinstated. Yeah. I imagine the politics are going to play more of a more of a role in the story as we go on. Yeah, I would assume so. There's obviously some some treachery here. Yep, some factions, some treachery, all good stuff. So uh Gongora tells the the king, "You can trust me." And of course the king eats it up. He's like, "Oh, thank God you were here." <laughs> it's like you, you And there's zero chance that I poisoned it myself. Yeah. And uh, as he is walking away, he goes back into the hallway, and he gives a money pouch to the uh, to the the maid who brought the food, and says, "Keep up the good work." <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah, there there you go. He's he's obviously trying to manipulate the king. But I forgot about that one. Sorry. And then our last email comes in from Jamie. And says, oh, um, nice. so I decided to climb out of my COVID cave to play a game finally. Thanks to Chad for giving me a heads up and encouraging me to play. I've gone into a bit of a gaming drought, partially be, uh, brought on by picking up uh, other coping mechanisms, but it's definitely time to play something other than Overwatch. I thought it'd be I'd be playing games on my new PC by now, but it's currently sitting in boxes, patiently waiting for a graphics card. So I sent my husband out to go buy me an Xbox 360 so I can play this game and get used to a whole new controller. I really hope there aren't any quick time events in this game because I am sure I'll mess that up. Well, the battle system is kind of based around a quick time event. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, it's not a random button. Yeah. Okay, so Lost Odyssey. Take a breath because I have a lot to say. Here we go. I find myself constantly scratching my head with this game, mostly with the writing and the cutscenes. There were a few really jarring conversations that just really didn't flow well, uh, specifically in the conference hall uh, and with the former Prince and Gungora. I mean, it's cheesy, but I'm a huge fantasy romance reader. Uh, not to mention Final Fantasy fan, I can handle cheesy, but these conversations were just janky. Like, they didn't even seem to be talking about the same thing sometimes. That said, there is a lot to, uh, to like about this game. There is something endearing about it, and I'm not sure I can put my finger on it yet. Let's talk about the gameplay. I don't get the dreams. I mean, I do. I get we need some insight into Kaim, and I... It will fill uh, in his backstory, but the for, for but the format is just odd. It's like someone made a bad presentation and used every <laughs> yep. possible text animation. I thought it was a little cornier than it was interesting. Sure. <sighs> I, I don't mind it. Uh, it's I, I don't know. Like yeah, it, it is like a PowerPoint. It's like a PowerPoint from like two thousand six. That's that's okay though for me, um, and the writing is sometimes really good, and at other times sounds like something my kids wrote. <laughs> Honestly, it's if nothing comes out of these stories, I'll be a bit disappointed, and I wasted my time reading them all, and they are long, like ridiculously long at times. I guess I wonder why they decided to do a text-based portion, especially when some of their cutscenes and other animations are quite good. Thankfully, they don't happen every time we rest, 
and I know you have the option to skip them, but I guess I'm, I assume I should pay attention to them. I love the battle system and the skill learning. It makes, it makes me feel like there is something other than regular leveling up to do but, uh, during the traveling bits. In Final Fantasy, you would just you would have just run through the areas, maybe even not paid much attention to the fight, attack, attack, magic, attack. But with the rings, you it can set people up to restore mana or do specific type kinds of damage, and you have to pay attention to make sure your immortals have finished learning things from the mortals, and then switch up those skill links when they've learned the skills. So instead of uh, going into a part where I would have dreaded the long haul now i'm looking forward to making sure all my characters are learning skills and assigning those skills to best suit the situation yep i i actually again i want to see where it goes but i did really like all that busy work says uh i also love the rings again there were so many times in final fantasy where you just hit attack 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 and don't even need to watch really they do limited little animations and move on but with the rings you have to be on the ball and paying attention and it's satisfying as the kids say to have that perfect pop up uh, if you like that kind of stuff I highly suggest you play Paper Mario and Mario and Luigi <laughs> those games all feature that uh, I was a bit blindsided by the first that first boss battle with Grilgan the Griffin-ish thing uh, that was kind of a fun surprise. I died the first time I fought him, but figured out his pattern by the second time. Still, it was enough of a wake-up call to remember to level the, my, the characters and pay attention. So, about those characters. I love how these games always start with huge battles, uh, and you can tell exactly who your main characters are because they show up without armor or do very little of it. Or with very little of it. Okay, sure, it's a video game trope, especially for women, but I did chuckle at how much skin is showing, and then some of the other soldiers even comment that it's surprising Kime survived in that outfit. That's rich coming from the guys wearing massive ring helmets. Yeah, kind of pretty goofy looking. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the bizarre things about this game. Really good jokes mixed in with questionable writing in other places. It's like the writers were all sitting in different rooms. Anyways, I don't know a ton about him yet. Typical moody, broody protagonist, it seems like. I just really, really want to push that hair off of his fucking face. <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. It is, it is whew, annoying. So far, Seth is pretty meh. Not much going on with her yet. And I can't decide if I like or despise Jansen. At some points, yeah. he's cringeworthy and annoying. Okay, at most points. But occasionally, he says something hilarious. And considering he hasn't yet done anything to sabotage Kaim and Seth, I kind of want to trust him. I can't say I have any idea where the story is going yet. Gongora seems like he's the bad guy, but I can't tell if that's a setup or the truth. And most of that council seemed just as bad as him. Random thoughts. I thought it was super cool in the beginning when the lava started coming from the sky. I thought maybe they were in some kind of underground world or something. <laughs> and then someone said it was a meteor strike? I'm sorry, what? 
Great. I'm glad I'm not the only one because I was confused when when it when it came out that it was a meteor. <laughs> Granted, I haven't actually seen any meteor strikes happen, but I have a feeling it's not lava pouring from the sky. It looked cool though, so I will forgive. Yep. I really like the travel sections where you go to the map and it plays the music and then shows the location. I have no idea why, but I just like it. A nice little detail, though it makes me think of a Western movie. I also really like that you can loot all kinds of things. In most games, it's just the same old chest, but you can look in garbage cans and trees, pots, piles of rocks. It kind of feels less like a gimme that way. No, excuse me. I'm sure I look ridiculous checking every damn tree to see if I can ram it. Yeah, the one that got me was the posters on the wall. Yeah. Because I, you know, I was like, I don't see any reason why there would be something behind this poster, but it's just moving a little too much. Right? It's like, it's like your thing that just doesn't quite jive with the background. I'm like, yeah. it seems like there might be something there, even though there's no logical reason. Yep. It says, uh, were those guards at Gungora's house wearing uh, ball gowns over their armor? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. I'm getting some Metal Gear vibes trying to sneak past guards, except it's easy, easiest stealth mission ever. Seriously, it's about as complicated as, hey, look that way and walk past them, but it's still not something you usually find in these kind of games. Lastly, Fast load times are amazing. Let me tell you something. You're playing on the Xbox 360. I'm playing on the Xbox Series X. There are no load times in this game. The load times in this game are legit two seconds. It's one, two, and then you're in the game. No matter what. Yep. It's crazy. Like, the Series X is a powerhouse when it comes to loading games fast. Is that where you're playing, Matt? Yeah, certainly am. There you go. Which is good, because my 360 is limping along. (laughs) It is barely functional. It's too tired to even red ring at this point. Yeah, it just spits. Sometimes doesn't open the door. Sometimes does, but doesn't read the disc. (laughs) Oh, man. I guess in this case it was a download, so that wouldn't be a problem. It says, uh, okay, I better stop here. Otherwise, you could just make a whole podcast of Jamie's emails. If you have an Xbox 360, if you have Xbox 360 games to recommend, I, sh- uh, I should put my new console to good use. Well, thank you for that email, Jamie. Um, as far as 360 games, I mean, if you've never played the Gears of War series... Those are pretty good. Gears of War 1, 2, and 3 are on there. Um, I'm sure you've probably played Oblivion at this point, but Oblivion is really good. That was a 360 game for a while there. Did they? I'm pretty sure they released Oblivion for PS3, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But it came later, I think. I think so. Uh man, I can't think of the other one. I've got preloaded on there that was a download is Too Human to finish off at some point. <laughs> too Human, yeah. Um, I need to get my save over there, but it, once I do that, I'll be ready to finish that game off one day. There you go. 
Uh, Halo 3. It's really good. Um, Jeez. Can't really think of anything else. That, that wasn't multi-plat. Uh, I always enjoyed Viva Pinata. Yeah, I was going to say Rare. Uh, cameo. People people seem to really like Cameo. Mm, I would say Steer Clear of Perfect Dark Zero. I uh, was not a fan of that game. Hmm. I don't know. I'll have to give some thought on that. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's it. I appreciate all those emails. Thank you so much. I'm glad we got some people playing along with us on this one. Um, so there's two things I do want to mention. The first one, uh, Matt is actually not going to be able to record next week. So we are doing an intermission show. Um, and it is going to be me and Anthony. And, uh, we are actually not going to be talking about video games. Um, me and Anthony kind of have a passion for strange and unusual things slash true crime stuff. So we're going to be talking about strange internet mysteries and uh, unsolved mysteries, that kind of thing. Um, me and Anthony constantly talk about that stuff uh, through emails and stuff like that. Uh, and we share videos and, uh, I'm, um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm actually really excited to talk about this kind of stuff. So, uh, that's the thing we're going to be talking about. Um, if you, if you are interested in any of that kind of stuff, I highly suggest, uh, checking out the YouTube channel Nexpo. Uh, he does some great internet mystery stuff. Love his channel. Um, it's, uh, it's very, very good. Um, the second thing is actually involves Matt here. Uh, I do want to ask you. So obviously the next game after Lost Odyssey is going to be Yakuza 1. After Yakuza 1, may I suggest a game that we do? Ooh, intrigued. I want to do Assassin's Creed Origins. Oh, that's a good one. You're going to force me to break my my long running stance, but I I've already given up on the stance. So I have to because I own all the Assassin's Creed games and I've beaten two one one and two and haven't played any of the other ones. And I the end goal is to play Odyssey, but everybody has told me not to play Odyssey before you play Origins because if you play Odyssey and then go back to Origins, you'll never want to play Origins. Yeah, and there's nothing we do in this. In this series, if not stick with the with the first game and troubles be damned. Yeah. So from what so I, I know I know that you don't like the sound of this, uh, but from what I understand, uh, we had a long discussion about this on the N4G radio last week. Origins is actually a pretty good starting point because this that's the beginning of this kind of like new trilogy. So yeah, I've heard that. It's not a hard reset, but it is a, uh, instead of Desmond, you're now playing as a different person outside of the Animus kind of thing. Uh, and it yep. started with Origins. 
So. Origins is the number one Assassin's Creed that I would play if, aside from actually what I said I would do, which is finish the first game. And then the other one that I wanted to play just because it seemed more different at the time was the, was Black Flag. Yeah. So th- those are the two that I've got. I'd, either one of those I would love to play, but Origins would be my top choice for sure. Yeah. So we'll, we'll think about it. We got obviously got <laughs> months of games to play before we get to that, but... I, I am actually on a bit of a gaming high, though, lately. I've been really happy with, like, everything I've been playing, because I haven't really played all that much, I would say, in the last year, even, outside of these Phoenix Down games. Yeah. I mean, I, I've dabbled with a lot of games, but I haven't I haven't put a lot of time in. I've put a little more time in lately and enjoyed the games I've been playing, plus the last, you know, I felt really satisfied with Ocarina of Time. And really, really enjoyed Yakuza. So I don't know. I just feel like every everything right now is 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 really good. I'm just really excited to play all these games. Oh, there you go. So yeah, I mean that's that's I'm putting my my little I'm putting mine in the hat. We don't have to do that one, but uh, that is uh, something that's been on my list for a little while now. So if you think of something else that you would like to do, we can easily do that as well. And have you? Have you played any of it? I have not even touched it. No. Uh, that would be good. I have. I own. I legit own every Assassin's Creed game, and have only <laughs> beaten one and two, and made it about halfway through Brotherhood. I don't own Valhalla. So there you go. I do. <laughs> I own very few of them, but that's one I do have. There you go. So, I don't know. That's just that's just a, a quick suggestion. Obviously, we've got a long time before we even get there and consider something. So, we may change our yeah. mind by that time. But, uh, yeah, uh, that's going to be it for us. I do appreciate everybody listening. Thank you so much for those emails. Keep them coming. And if anybody else out there is playing along with us, please send us an email. The email is drew at ztgd.com. Uh, you can also tweet to us. I am at Drew Leachman. Matt is at REMGS. And the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. But uh, that's going to be it for us. Um, I'm excited to see where we go. Uh, and um, uh, keep an eye out on either my Twitter or the Phoenix Down Twitter. I will say uh, in the coming week how far we're going to try to make it to for the next recording for anybody that is out there playing along with us um, so that way we can avoid you know spoilers and stuff like that but uh, yeah I'm excited Matt how about you yeah me too so far so far I'm liking it yeah I am too I, I, I want to see where it goes and, and even more than just the story because that's always something that I'm I'm keen to follow, but I, you know, I really want to see where all these skills go and really set up a team and, you know, build a team. I'm looking forward to uh, just playing it. Really, I like, I like the. Uh, really, the rings and you know everything that we you know kind of discussed about the, about the combat, about the setup. Again, it, it's somewhat simple. I like the pace of it as well. So, okay. yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I, I it's been a while since I played a traditional RPG like this. So, 
excited to see how, how it holds up. Yeah, intentionally old school. Yep. But uh, that's going to be it for us. Uh, we're going to get out of here. I do appreciate everybody listening. Until next time, I am Drew. And I'm Matt. And we're gone. You guys have a great week, and we will be back next week with an intermission show on the Internet Mysteries. Mm-hmm.